Welcome everyone, you're listening to Save Me and I'll Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiast, Amber. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hello. Unfortunately, Kylie was unable to join us for this one, which is a shame because it is great. On this week's episode, we are going over the musical comedy, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Dun dun dun. (sighs) Wow. Intrigue and mystery. (laughs) Indeed. This show is mama approved and fun, but in a macabre way. So prepare for that. We are going off of the original Broadway cast recording, which I think is the only one that's out, but it will be available on our Spotify and linked in the show notes as always. Despite this show being like the show at the Tonys when it was released, it hasn't doesn't have like a lot of information on it. I don't really know like what happened to it. But the <clears> tiny bit of information that I did find were that the music and lyrics were written by Stephen Lutback. It is based on the 1907 novel Israel Rank, the Autobiography of a Criminal by Roy Horniman. Sure. The novel was also the inspiration for the 1949 British film Kind Hearts and Coronets. Weird. All right. And in terms of productions, which again, this is really weird because there's not that many. Uh, the show premiered at the Hartford stage in Hartford, Connecticut, running in October and November 2012. The cast featured Jefferson Mays, Ken Barnett, and Lisa O'Hare. The show then played at the Old Globe Theater in San Diego, California in March 2013. The cast again featured Mays, Barnett, and O'Hare. The musical opened on Broadway at the Walter Kerr Theater on November 17, 2013, and closed on January 17, 2016, after 30 previews and 905 performances. Hmm. So it have a, a good Broadway run, which is nice. The cast included Mays and O'Hare again, with the additions of Lauren Warsham and Bryce Pinkham. There was a U.S. national tour that opened in September 2015 and closed in March 2017. A second tour opened in September 2017 and closed in May 2018. There was also an Australian production that opened in October 2018. A fun fact, there was recently a Broadway On Demand abridged version of the show that featured an all-Asian American cast. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So it streamed from July 15th to July 22nd of 2021, with all proceeds going to benefit stop AAPI HATE, and that stands for Asian American Pacific Islander. The cast included Cindy Chung, Carl Joseph Coe, Allie Uwoltz, Diane Fellin, Tom Sesma, and Stephen Cuevas, with a special appearance from Leia Salonga. And, of course, awards. So the show, in 2014, they won four Tony Awards, seven Drama Desk Awards, four Outer Critics Circle Awards, and one Drama League Award. Wow. Nice. They cleaned house. It did super well, and like it is still a very young show, so I do hope it make, continues like to make the circuit. Now that we're past um, like the worst of COVID stuff, I hope like it does come back. come back. And I'm really upset that we missed the streamed version. Yeah, because I saw it and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll get us tickets or whatever." And then it was like, "You missed it in July." I was like, "Oh, hmm. yeah, I'm really sad we missed that because I bet it was awesome." Mm-hmm. But yeah, so with that tiny information out of the way, we can go ahead and jump into our Act One. Woo! Indeed. And we open on a group dressed in mourning clothes. Oh. Off to a great start. <laughs> well, don't you always wake up in mourning clothes? <laughs> Stop. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so they advise that those of you of weaker constitution to leave the theater. The show may prove disturbing in the song Prologue, A Warning to the Audience. Which, <laughs> fair, sure. Interesting. Yeah. So we are in 1909, where Lord Montague Monty Disquith Navarro, 9th Earl of Highhurst, is in jail. Super long name. He says that he's writing his memoirs before his possible execution. Uh Uh-oh. 
Oh. Yep. Okay. (laughs) And his story could be called A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Whoa. The title of the show. Wow. Monty begins his story by taking us back to 1907. He is living in Clapham in a shabby flat with his mother. His mother, a washerwoman, has just died. A mysterious old woman arrives to tell Monty that his mother was actually a member of the aristocratic Dysquith family. Isabel Dysquith had eloped with a Spanish musician who is also dead at this point. This caused her family to disown her. Isabel never really wanted her son to know his ancestry, which is why he hasn't known it up until this point. Miss Shingle, the mysterious old woman, says that Monty is ninth in line to inherit the earldom of Highhurst, and she insists that he take his rightful place within the family in the song You're a Dysquith. Monty is in love with Miss Sibella Hallward, but she won't marry him because of his poverty. Rude. In the song I Don't Know What I'd Do. Sibella has also drawn the attention of Lionel Holland, a man of higher status. She accepts Monty's new lineage, but points out eight people have to die before he becomes Earl. So, what are the chances of that, right? Monty receives a reply from Lord Asquith's son, Asquith Disquith Jr. That's terrible. These people and their names. He denies that Isabel ever existed and warns Monty not to contact the family again or use the family name. Rude. Be gone. <laughs> Monty is dejected, but he refuses to accept his fate of being a poor commoner in the song Foolish to Think. Monty takes a tour of Highhurst Castle, the Disquith's ancestral home on Visitor's Day, and the spirits of his Disquith ancestors tell him he does not belong there in a song, A Warning to Monty. So I guess ghosts. Ghosts. Rude ghosts. Yeah. Lord Aldbert Disquith, the current Earl of Highhurst, finds Monty in the ancestral library and drives him away. He expresses his hatred of commoners being in his home in the song, I Don't Understand the Poor. <laughs> what the heck? Welcome to current life. It's, yeah, he's ridiculous. Rough, man. Monty seeks out the clergyman of the family, an old drunk man named Reverend Lord Ezekiel Disquith. The Reverend gives him a tour of the ancestral family church. He remembers Isabel, a charming girl who broke her father's heart. He refuses to advocate for Monty, wanting to avoid family intrigue, which I guess is fair, but also rude, so, eh. Yeah. They ascend the bell tower, and the reverend is nearly knocked off balance by a gust of wind in his drunken state. Monty realizes how easy it would be to just let the reverend fall, exacting revenge for his mother and bringing him closer to earldom in the song Foolish to Think Reprise. And so instead of helping the reverend to safety, he lets Reverend Lord Ezekiel fall to his death. I don't know what happened, he just tripped. Yeah, he just fell. It's fine. Oops. (laughs) Monty returns to his dead-end job as a clerk. He's frustrated that he has to work so hard while unworthy men grow rich, including Asquith Disquith Jr. Monty observes Asquith Jr. and his mistress, Miss Evangeline Barley, as they sneak away to a winter resort. Monty follows them with the intention of poisoning Asquith Jr., but is unable to get close enough to deliver it. Monty gets a bright idea as Asquith Jr. and Miss Barley go ice skating on a frozen lake. He cuts a hole in the ice, causing the skaters to fall through and drown. In the song, Poison in My Pocket. <laughs> that one's a little... Like, That's not an accident. The reverend was like, oops, but this one's like, kind of rough. Man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Monty returns to London and receives a letter from Lord Asquith Disquith Sr., apologizing for the tone of his son's letter. He invites Monty to the bank to speak about a job. He's grief-stricken by his son's accident and offers Monty a comfortable salary and job as a stockbroker. And so Monty accepts, because why not? Of course. I mean, yeah, he's poor. (laughs) (laughs) Later, Sibella tells Monty that she's become engaged to marry Lionel Holland. After learning about Monty's new income, she begins to reconsider, but forces herself to go through with marrying Lionel in the song Poor Monty. 
Hmm. Monty focuses on his distant cousin, Henry Disquith, a country squire. He encounters Henry in a town pub and rescues him from an assault by, by a foreclosed-on tenant. Henry is married and quite obviously prefers the company of men. He gay. <laughs> gay. Monty picks up on this and befriends him in the song Better With a Man. Which is a hilarious <laughs> song, by the way. <laughs> Henry also turns out to be an avid beekeeper, which is pretty cool. Sure. And then he tells Henry that a person can be killed by an excess of bee stings. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting information to be told. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and so Monty gets a hold of some lavender perfume, which the bees are extraordinarily attracted to. He covers Henry's beekeeping clothes in the perfume and introduces himself to Henry's sister, Miss Phoebe Disquith. As they discover their similarities, Henry is stung to death outside in the song Inside Out. <laughs> so I love this idea that they're like, oh man. We're like super alike, and her brother's just being stabbed to death. <laughs> stabbed, stabbed. Monty consoles Phoebe and decides that since he can't have Sabella, Phoebe would be the perfect woman to be his countess when he becomes Earl. As she is a woman of his own generation, he, she doesn't stand before him in the line of succession and is highly sympathetic about what happened with his mother. So fair, despite the fact that there are some cousins. It's fine. It's like the 1900s, so. <laughs> So there are other women who do come before Monty in the lineage, one being Lady Hyacinth Disquith. Lady Hyacinth is an unmarried woman who devotes herself to philanthropic causes, but she does this primarily for the aim of boosting her own social position, so eh. So posing as a member of the Foreign Office, Monty encourages Lady Hyacinth to travel first to war-torn Europe, then to a leper colony in Egypt. She returns unharmed from both travels, wow. much to his dismay. <laughs> So then he encourages her to travel to an African jungle where a cannibal tribe lives. Uh-huh. Lady Hyacinth is reported missing and presumed dead in the song Lady Hyacinth Abroad. uh -oh. At least this one's also sort of an accident. Yeah. I mean, he didn't do it himself. Yeah. Just encouraged yeah. a little. <laughs> so Monty proves to be a talented stockbroker, which causes Lord Asquith Disquith Sr. to give him a significant salary increase and high praise. Monty continues to have an affair with Sibella, despite her marriage. Mm-hmm. And it is clear that she is impressed with Monty's determination to succeed. Monty's next target is Major Lord Bartholomew Disquith. He is a staunch eugenicist, vegetarian, and bodybuilder. Sure. Those are a weird combination of things, but okay. Yep. <laughs> Monty runs into him at a weightlifting hall and charms his way into acting as the Major's spotter on the bench press. He pretends to misunderstand the Major's cries for help by adding more weight than the Major can hold. This causes the barbell to fall and decapitate him. Oh. Okay. Ouch. So he might have been responsible for that one. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that one is a little more hands-on. <laughs> so and through this, Monty continues to console Phoebe, and he has come to adore her dearly. Lady Salome Disquith Pumphrey is a super bad actress currently starring in a production of Henrik Ibsen's Hedda Gabler. So Monty actually remembers that the play ends with Hedda's suicide by a pistol shot to the head. Monty sneaks backstage and switches the prop bullets with real ones. Huh. Lady Salome shoot shoots herself and dies. The cast is shocked, but the audience loves it because they think it's super good acting. <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah. Oops. So the deaths of Reverend Lord Ezekiel, Asquith Jr., Henry, Lady Hyacinth, Major Lord Bartholomew, and Lady Salome now leave only two people in the way of Monty's earlship. This includes the present Earl and Lord Asquith Sr., Monty's employer and benefactor. Through this, Monty finds himself unwilling to kill the kind Lord Asquith. He is let off the hook when the old man suddenly dies to a heart attack. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Convenient. Right? Lord Adalbert realizes that he is the only Disquith still alive. 
All of London is abuzz over the dashing young gentleman who's risen so far, so fast, and now stands next in line to inherit Highhurst in the song, The Last One You'd Expect. Oh, dun, 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 which brings mm. us to our intermission. Wah, wah, wah. So yeah, so we're in intermission. How do we feel about that first act there? It's wild. Super, super wild. <laughs> but yeah, it's super fun, and I really like it because it's just shenanigans one right after the other Mm -hmm. even though the shenanigans are death you know it's fine so normally our shows kind of at the end of act one have a death or at the end of act two have a death act one is solely death (laughs) yeah this one probably is winning in terms of murder but it's whimsical and funny yes there's the thing (laughs) you know if i'm gonna have death (laughs) might as well be whimsical (laughs) Yeah, Whenever we have shows that don't have death, we're always like, oh, this one doesn't have any death in it. But I wonder what show we've covered has the most death. I think it's this one. I don't know, because, like, Sweeney Todd killed a lot of people. Okay, so this one has, like, this one, like, directly talks about the deaths. How about that? Yeah. Because, I mean, Les Mis would technically win, I think. Oh, Les Mis had a lot of death. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde actually has less deaths than this one. But it has the murder song. We've had several schools be threatened, but I don't think the entire school died. True. Yeah. So this one's uh, this one's more like direct murder. Mm-hmm. We have had we have covered shows that cover like war, so that's a little that's different. a little different, yeah. But yeah, this one I think. Evil Dead had a splash zone. So <laughs> true. That is probably a lot of death there. True, but do demons actually count? Well, zombies do. You're you're die you're deadifying them again. Zombies are people too. <laughs> I think in the guy that doesn't like musicals, an entire town dies. Oh, that's true. Well, brainwashed. I don't know if that counts. Quote unquote dies. Brain death. Anyway. Anyway. It's weird to think about. Yes. But yeah, this this show is uh it's yeah, fun and whimsical and I I've really liked it, you know, it started off real fast with the murder, so <laughs> I'm surprised it's as well received as it is. Yeah, me too. With being so like murdery. Everyone thought it was quite quirky and whimsical, and a lot of people actually really enjoyed it, so. Yeah. Yeah, for getting, yeah, tons and tons of awards. Yeah, like, what would be the main audience for a show like this? Like, people like me. (laughs) Yeah, but people like you can't really afford Broadway. (laughs) Listen, we don't have to talk about that right now. (laughs) People like us on this podcast um, are not the people that are going to every Broadway show. So on this week, since Kylie is not here, Matt, as usual, will be taking up the mantle of the theater facts. Don, what? Don, don. No way. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So, fun fact about the show. All of the eight family members that Monty has to get rid of are all played by the same actor. Which nice. is hilarious. That's great. Wait, he kills, like, men and women, right? Yep. Oh, okay. I love it. <laughs> he plays all of them. I'm the person that dies. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> also, a bonus factoid this episode. Up until the Hammerstein and Kern production of Showboat, all American musicals were based in comedy. This opened the door to other writers who chose to perform musicals that had more serious themes. Now you can find an assortment of both types, some with funny and spoof stories, while others take part in more somber nature. Yeah! So I thought that was that was pretty interesting, you know, because mm-hmm. we we have covered quite a few serious musicals, and I thought the the funny ones were kind of more out of the norm, but apparently I had it backwards. Hmm. 
I mean, sing like song and dance does kind of lend towards more of the whimsical side of things, so I guess I I get that. That's true. But yeah, super interesting. I really liked that one. I guess um yeah, musicals were were drawn to comedy and like plays and stuff were more of the dramas. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay. So cool. are we ready to um, fight for earlship into Act 2? Kill our way to the top? <laughs> Rip families apart in Act 2. <laughs> Be an utter monster? We're actually rooting for this guy, unfortunately. Mm, are we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alright, Act 2. So we open on Lord Asquith Senior's funeral. Monty delivers the eulogy, but the mourners have become irritated by all the Discwith memorials they've had to attend in the song Why Are All the Discwiths Dying? Which I get, yeah. Lord Adalbert worries that the curse that is killing off his family may strike him next in the song Why Are All the Discwiths Dying? Reprise. Monty and Sibella are still continuing their affair. He continues to love her despite being aware of all her flaws in the song Sibella. (laughs) Which I guess that means he actually likes her, so... (laughs) Sabella is unhappy with Lionel, but doesn't regret marrying for self-interest. She says she wouldn't begrudge Monty for doing the same, but forbids him from marrying from love. Sure. Hmm. Okay. Sabella asks Monty to secure Lionel an invitation to Highhurst for his political aspiration. Phoebe unexpectedly arrives, causing Sabella to hide in the next room. Phoebe declares her intention to marry Monty, even if the family would look down on them. And Monty agrees, but he is caught both figuratively and literally between the two women in the song I've Decided to Marry You, which is my favorite of the show. Oh, yeah, I've seen that clip. Yeah, this is the one that was performed at the Tony Awards for uh, 2014. So it is very funny. Monty is shocked to discover that Lady Hyacinth has survived her encounter with the cannibals. This woman is unkillable. I was expecting that. (laughs) Yeah, when they weren't like, she actually died, Mm -hmm. just presumed dead. Yeah. It's like any kind of modern TV show. If they don't die on screen, they're not dead. Didn't happen. (laughs) But when she arrives back in London, Monty uses an axe to cut the supports of the gangplank of the ship that she arrives on, and it collapses and she drowns in the harbor. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Welcome home. Monty, Phoebe, Sabella, and Lionel are all invited to Highhurst for the weekend so that Lord Adelbert can meet his heir. Monty and Phoebe arrive first and meet the Earl and his wife, Lady Eugenia Disquith. The ancestors again warn Monty against becoming Earl in the song Final Warning. It becomes evident that there is hostility between Lord Adelbert and Lady Eugenia. Lord Adelbert makes several crass remarks about the scandal caused by Monty's mother. Monty and Lord Adelbert go off to look at weapons that killed their ancestors, which is a weird bonding moment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sibella arrives without Lionel, who has been detained in Newmarket. She learns of Phoebe and Monty's engagement. Sibella begs Monty to call off the engagement, saying that she loves him. Although he still loves her, Monty says it is far too late for her to claim ownership of him, and he'll keep his engagement with Phoebe. Which, fair. (laughs) At dinner, Lord Adelbert and Lady Eugenia bicker constantly, which is uncomfortable for everyone. Monty brought along poison, intending to put it in the Lord's food, but cannot do so unnoticed in the song Poison in My Pocket reprise. Miss Shingle reappears, and it turns out she has been employed as a servant by the Discwiths for 39 years. At last, Monty slips the poison into the Earl's plate, but he refuses to eat it, insisting Sabella eat it instead. Monty desperately knocks it to the floor. Oh no! <laughs> Lord Adelbert starts to tell the story of how he was betrayed by his valet during the Boer War in the song Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun. He gives Monty a loaded army rifle, 
insisting he play the role of the valet. Monty, upon the Earl's request, points the gun at him, but Lord Adalbert takes a drink and suddenly drops dead, much to Monty's surprise. Oh. All right. <laughs> With Lord Adalbert's death, Monty is now Lord Montague Disquith Navarro, ninth Earl of Highhurst. Yay! Phoebe and Monty are married soon after. Doo-doo-doo! Yay! Chief Inspector Pinckney of Scotland Yard arrives at the reception and arrests Monty for the murder of Lord Adalbert, who, it turns out, was poisoned. No way! Monty muses on the absurdity of being charged with the one murder he didn't actually commit in the song. Stop! <laughs> Wait! What? <laughs> I love that song. So good. Appropriately so named. <laughs> and so, a trial is held before the House of Lords. There is evidence to both implicate and excuse Monty. Sabella testifies on Monty's behalf. She accidentally gives alleged motive for the crime, that the Disquiths di- disinherited her mother and desi- denied his existence. Oops. So in her uh, effort to help, she actually gave him a cause. <laughs> yep. Uh-oh. On the evening before the court's ruling, Monty is writing his memoirs in his cell, which kind of like goes back to how we started the show. Wow. Mm-hmm. He strikes up conversation with the jail's custodian. It turns out that Chauncey, the custodian, is also a Disquith, and his father was cast out in a manner similar to Isabel. So this family just likes to pour themselves around, don't they? Yep. All right. (laughs) Cast a large net, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Chauncey has had no desire to join the family, and the two shake hands as the last of their lineage. Convinced of Monty's innocence, Phoebe visits him in jail. Phoebe asks him if Sibella is in love with him and takes his silence as an answer. And then Phoebe leaves. Monty concludes his memoir, saying the outcome will be determined by the jury's verdict the next morning. Sabella arrives at the jail with a letter, supposedly from Phoebe, and addressed to Monty. In it, she confesses to poisoning the Earl so that Monty could take his rightful place. Phoebe also arrives at the jail with another letter, supposedly from Sabella, and addressed to Monty. In it, she also confesses the same thing. So they're blaming the other woman for the murder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh. Yep. (laughs) So both women plead for the other to be arrested and for Monty to be set free. But the authorities decide not to convict either woman, because how can they take one woman's word and then convict the Mm -hmm. other kind of thing? But both of them have also proved reasonable doubt to Monty's guilt. So I guess mission accomplished? I don't know. Sure. It becomes apparent to the audience that the two women have conspired to prevent Monty's conviction and execution in the song That Horrible Woman. So they actually work together. Hmm. Yeah, get him. Monty is awakened and, to his surprise, set free to a cheering crowd outside. Nice. Phoebe and Sabella are there, apparently content to share him between them. So, sure. Sure. Even though Sabella is definitely still married. Whatever. Monty suddenly realizes that he has left his memoirs, which contain his full confession, in his cell. He's not very smart. Oops. Not super smart. However, a guard hands Monty the journal, saying he found it and figured Monty would want it back. So, go him. Hmm. So Monty is still wondering who poisoned the Earl if he didn't. But Miss Shingle appears and confesses only to the audience that she is the one who slipped prussic acid into the Earl's port. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. Okay. What did she have? Like, I don't know. Well, because sure. she started she started this whole journey by telling Monty that he was part of this uh, lineage. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So uh, she wanted him to be the Earl. I guess she, like, hated the whole family or something. Ah, she's got issues. Whatever. I think everybody in this story has issues. Yes. <laughs> yes. But in the final moments of the show, the company sing, This is not the end, and Chauncey appears holding a small bottle of poison. So he was the custodian that we found out is another disquith. Mm-hmm. He is singing Poison in My Pocket to himself, implying that he will use it on Monty in the song finale. Ooh. 
And the part that's not on the soundtrack, though, after the curtain call, Monty hands Chauncey a poisonous belladonna flower. Chauncey eats it, grimaces, and exits the stage. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was implied that Monty is still in charge and Chauncey's dead now. <laughs> I like how Monty just, like, he just embraced murder. Like, how does this man know so much about poison? Yeah, he wants to be an earl, like, yeah. guys. I've just learned something. I'm really good at this. (laughs) Essentially. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's the show. So one thing I didn't mention is that you can get basically the entire story from the soundtrack, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Like the little nuances you might not quite pick up on, but that's what we're here for, of course. But you do get the majority of the story from the soundtrack, which is also very fun. But how do we feel about the show as a whole? I really want to see it. It is wild. (laughs) I do too. I... I really do, because I've seen, like, tiny clips of it. Like, barely anything is out on the internet about it, but I, I really enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this sounds like a me show. It does. Yeah. It's It sounds super wild, especially with the one guy playing all of the family members that get murdered. Right. right. That's, like a, that's like a staple for the ones I cover. I love it. So I, I do recommend the show. If it comes through, I am definitely going to see mm-hmm. it. And it's just fun for the whole family, even though it's based around murder. Yeah. They don't need to pay attention to that. It's fine. Yeah, don't don't focus on that part. It's, yeah, it's, don't worry about it. But yeah, so it's a, it's a good show. We do recommend it. And the soundtrack is just lots of fun. So go ahead and check that out. Nice. So yeah, thanks for listening to this episode, you guys. Wow. Alrighty. Be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to podcasts. This ensures that you'll get our episodes as soon as they are posted. And it's just super cool. So do it. Or some Earl's going to come find you. (laughs) And murder you in a really weird way that can't be traced back to him, I guess. Or us. (laughs) Or us, specifically. And if you're on Apple, be sure to give us a five-star review. It helps boost us up in the numbers. Get us up in damn numbers. And of course, the best way to help us out is through word of mouth. So please tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, people you are not planning on murdering. Because if you murder them, how are they going to listen to us? Yeah. Obviously. So tell people that you aren't going to murder. Especially if you know any uh, earls out there. Tell the earls about us. And hopefully they survive long enough to support yeah, us. Exactly. Tell earl body. Nope. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to chat with us because you're cool and we're cool. So... Heck yes. You can find us all over the internet. So you can email us at savemeandalseat at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at savemeandalseat. You can find us on Twitter at savemeandalseat. You can find us on Instagram at savemeandalseat. And you can find us on YouTube under the Ragtag Network. All over the place. Um, Yeah, and if you want more of us and other things that we are a part of, you can go check out our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. So we're going to find other cool shows and other shows that are coming in the future. So go ahead and check that out. But I believe that is all we have for you guys this week. So thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me Now See. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Isle Seat. If you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com/ragtagnetwork. 
For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.